And now, Lifestyles Unlimited presents the Real Estate Investor Radio Show. Over the next hour, we unfold your map to financial freedom. You'll learn how to retire through investing in single-family and multifamily real estate. You'll learn how to create cash flow and build wealth so you can have the time and money to live the lifestyle you want. Welcome to the show. My name is Al Gordon. And as always, we're working on your financial freedom. That's right. You caught me with a guest today. Today is Tell Al Tuesday. And I've invited John to be on the show because I want John to tell you everything he knows about real estate investing. And you're thinking to yourself, why, why should I listen to John, man? I tuned in to listen to you. Well, here's why you should listen to John. John actually has more experience in real estate investing than I do. Yeah, he has, I would consider, much more experience. Now, let me, let me throw a wild card at, at you and see what you think about this. John is a lot younger than I am, too. Yeah, he's, he's a lot younger than I am. I think he might be in his early 30s. We'll ask him when he gets on the show. But before I bring him on, what I'm going to do now is I'm going to read his actual bio. I, I usually just look at bios and I take little snippets out, but his bio is succinctly to the point and, and it gives you an understanding of the gentleman who's about ready to come onto the show. So I'm just going to read it verbatim, sit back, grab an adult beverage if you need to, if it's that time in your part of the world, if it's not your time in the part of the world, it's uh, five o'clock somewhere. I, I believe in that. So John started investing in single family real estate immediately after graduating high school. Okay, so now I'm going to stop right there. Now you think about that. How old are you when you graduate high school? Most of us are 18. Okay, so at the age of 18, he started buying single-family properties. Now, after he successfully learned the single-family market, he began a career in multifamily apartment community investing in 2008. Now, I'm going to stop again because if you recall, 2008 was that perfect storm of financial meltdown where not only the stock market was tanking, but the real estate markets were tanking. Now, some of you are thinking we're in that perfect storm right now, and I'm here to tell you I, I don't think so. And maybe John's got some information on that he'd be willing to share with you. Let me get back to John's story. He earned a bachelor's degree in business administration through Thomas Edison State University, as well as the independent rental owner professional certification and the certified apartment manager certification from the National Apartment Association. Since 2008, John has led his team in the acquisition, renovation, and operation of seven, you heard me correctly, seven apartment communities in the Houston area, and that totals just shy of 1,600 units. Since 2014, John and his team, and John will put the emphasis on his team. He won't put the emphasis on himself. He'll put the emphasis on his team, have won. Now, get this. I hope you're sitting down. I hope you've got a firm grip on that adult beverage if that's what you chose to drink. 32. You heard me correctly. He's won 32 industry awards from the Houston, the Texas, and the National Apartment Associations. That's right. This guy has got a lot of cred, a lot of what I would call street cred. Now, you, you think I'm done, right? You think I'm done. Okay, now check this out. His company, Veritas Equity Management, has earned a spot on the list of Houston's best and brightest companies to work for. For the past not one, not two, not three, not four, not five, not six, not seven, but eight years. Yeah, eight years running. And 
He's earned the award for the National Apartment Association's Best Places to Work for the past two years. Yeah, so yeah, maybe if you're looking for a job, John might be the guy to work for. He's been a member of the Board of Directors for the Houston Apartment Association since 2015, and he recently served as the youngest president in the association's history during the 2021 season, right right in the middle of the pandemic. So this this is a guy that goes out and gets things done. Did, did you notice that? Yeah, this this kind of guy is the kind of guy you're going to meet when you become a member of Lifestyles Unlimited. I, I swear, let's let's do this. Let's bring John onto the show because there's, there's a ton of questions I have for him. We only have an hour to get this done. So let me welcome to the show, John. John, how are you doing today? Welcome back. I'm doing awesome. I'm doing awesome, Al. Thanks for having me on. It's a pleasure to be here. Man, I'm, I'm so sorry I stumbled over your bio. I mean, there's there's so much packed into this bio. You've accomplished so much. Now, I've got to ask you the, the one question that everybody's dying to hear. You ready for it? Sure. How old are you? <laughs> I am now 34 years old. I missed that because I thought I, I thought you were thirty five. See, I was I'm I'm making you older than you really are. But don't, you're don't only overestimating me. Like Come on. <laughs> <laughs> so in thirty four years, you've racked up almost as many industry awards. What what's it like to own a company and to have a business plan that that is so dialed in that you can compete successfully for 32 different awards on different platforms. Well, you 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 just kind of hinted to it earlier, but if I if my story had a theme, it would be a lot of help from a lot of people. And so it's um, it goes back to when I was a young 20 20 year old trying to figure out this business and leaning heavily on the mentors and members at Lifestyles that were very gracious with information and guidance and taking me under their wing and sharing their, their you know, what people would call industry secrets, although they were very willing to share them with me. And then man, just focus on building um, an incredible team that shares the same values, the same passions, and uh, realizes it, it's, uh, it's not about just making money, that, that's a, a bad end goal, but impacting people, building our impact and our residents, our, our, our employees, our team members, um, and our investors, and, and that's uh, the magic formula. So if I heard correctly, you just gave a bunch of credit to Lifestyles Unlimited for getting you going. Did I get that right? Yeah, when I got started, you know, as a 19, 20-year-old, there's a, you know, I've got, got a pretty blank slate. Like, there's not a lot of life experience. There's certainly no business experience. And so I was blessed with an incredible mentor in my father, who's a small business owner, and I'm a mid-sized business owner, and um, in providing the, the business experience and the business acumen. John was telling us that he had absolutely no real estate investing experience before he got started with real estate investing. He also pointed out that one of the things that he did was he became a member of Lifestyles Unlimited. And by joining Lifestyles Unlimited, he was able to gain access to, to a variety of education and support services. And he took full advantage of the education. He took full advantage of the support services. And he has built what I would consider to be an outstanding business, not only for himself, but for those that he loves very much. John, talk to me about what it's like to go from zero to hero in what about eight years? Did it take you about eight years to get to where you're at now? Yeah, I would. I started started Veritas. I guess we just had our 10 year anniversary 
Um, but like most businesses, you hear about the first four or five were somewhat boring from a publicity standpoint. You know, it was it was a lot of grinding, a lot of uh, learning the business, a lot of kind of building the foundation. And so what looks like a, you know, skyrocketing success or, or a rise to to the spotlight was really a long time in the making, or at least 10 years in the making. And we're still, we're still learning and still growing. Um, we're just super blessed to be in the position we're in and be able to have the impact that we do. How nervous were you in the beginning with building this, this business up? I mean, you're, you're a brand new 18, 19 year old. You don't have a lot of worldly experience yet here you are immersing yourself into a, a business model. Most people that get involved with this business model are like on the latter half of their life, not the beginning half of their life. So what was that like for you? Yeah, well, you know, it's, I probably should have been more nervous than I was. You know, being 18, 19, 20 years old, I didn't have a lot to lose at the time. So I had, I was able to go all in and take some risks that today would probably make me a little more nervous. Um, but it obviously panned out very well. And my, I remember my, my father joking um, when we first got started in this business and I, you know, started calling the members at Lifestyles and the mentors at Lifestyles. He would say, man, John, John called these people and asked them what to do. And then he would just go do exactly what they said without asking any questions because I didn't know anything. It was just naive enough to believe everything they told me. And so I would go, you know, get my marching orders more or less and then go execute and learn from it. And I, I figured out quickly certain members and certain mentors had strengths in certain areas. So when I had a, you know, an HR question, I called this guy. When I had a, a renovation question, I would call this lady. When I had an operations question, I would call this person. And um, and so I was able to to kind of farm pick the the best advice from the people who who did each each segment of the business well and try to compile that all into my company. So as you were growing Veritas, what what was going through your mind? I mean, you're you're at this point you're in your early twenties. You're you're building what's going to become a powerhouse company. What what were you focused on specifically? Give me those one or two things that you absolutely had to get right all of the time. Well, the the focus need, always needed to be on the people. Um, you know, a lot of businesses and a lot of, of entrepreneurs start businesses with a focus on um, making a certain amount of money. And the problem with that is you get to that number, you get to that goal, and you realize, like, I'm not fulfilled, and this is this was a waste of time, or maybe if I just got a little more money, then I'd be happy, or then we would have arrived. And so focusing more on building the right culture with the right people and empowering those people to do their job, do it well, and find personal fulfillment in their jobs, um, that trickles down into great you know, returns and fulfillment for our investors and then delivering incredible value and care for our residents, not just by having a good place to live. Uh, but also by feeling like they're part of a community, caring for their kids through different programs and, and the extra benefits we provide, and um, delivering that sense of purpose throughout our organization of, hey, we're not just here to turn some, turn some wheels and, and make a dollar. Um, we're here to really deliver an, an, an impact to the world. So keeping that, that focus um, top of mind was, was really important you know, as we grew. Now, you've won 32 different industry awards. What what was it like the first time you won an award? I mean, is it something you were trying to do, or did you just fall into it? Oh, no, definitely something we, we shot for for the, the first one. I remember winning like a the, the Houston Independent Owner of the Year, the top top 
apartment owner um, in Houston and just thinking I had reached cloud nine. I mean, of all the of all the owners in Houston, I was uh, elected to be the, the top one there, and just thought like I had arrived. And um, and that and it was it was it was awesome. It was a fun event, and getting that recognition was great. Um, but like so many other um, goals like that, it fades quickly, and you've got to kind of get back at the grind. And then we won the state. Uh, owner of the year, and then the national owner of the year, then on to win 29 other <laughs> certain awards like that, and they're fantastic. And what's really been rewarding to me is after I kind of won my gambit of awards, shifting the focus more towards what are what are company wide recognition awards that we can chase after and make everybody feel proud of, and then moving on to our individual team members and, hey, what can they win? What can they get recognized for? The top manager in the city, the top maintenance director in the city, the top manager in the state, the top, you know, um, supervisor in the state. Like we want all these different seeing our building a company of award winners then and seeing that love be spread throughout the organization has been a, a cornerstone of our, of our culture and our impact. You know, it's funny, you use the word people. That was the, the focus of your, your business model. But I, I, I would suggest maybe you want to change it to cares. You actually care about people. You actually care about the people that work for you. You actually care about the people that rent property from you. You, you care about all of the different elements of this business model. And here, John, you care so much, you actually did something that most Lifestyles Unlimited members wouldn't even consider doing, you actually decided to run for and you won the seat to be the president of the Houston Apartment Association. Now, why, why would somebody who has everything so dialed in go and take on the burden of running an apartment association? Yeah, the the, part, the journey with the Houston Apartment Association was incredible. We're the largest apartment association in the country. And um, being able to move through the ranks and meet people in that organization really supplemented and complemented with the network and the education I got at Lifestyles. Because Lifestyles teaches you how to run apartment complexes. And, um, you know, but the, the bigger, biggest owners at Lifestyles maybe have one, two, three, four thousand units. With joining the apartment association, I got to rub shoulders with and serve on committees with and solve problems with these incredibly smart and driven senior executives who are running 10, 20, 50,000 units. They're running behemoth organizations, and they're just exceptional individuals. And so getting to be around that caliber of executive and learn how they think and how they run their companies and how they solve problems just really leveled up my game and taught me a lot that, like I said, supplemented and complemented the um, skills I learned at Lifestyles and has contributed so much to um, how we've grown Veritas and grown my company over the years. So you're hanging out with the movers and shakers, not only in Lifestyles Unlimited, but outside of our organization. And you're noticing some, some very different business approaches to how we do business. When we come back from the break, I'm going to ask John that question. I'm going to ask him specifically, what did you notice? Stick around. Got questions? Call Lifestyles Unlimited at 855-497-4335. The Real Estate Investor Radio Show continues next. For 30 years, I've taken the smartest people I could find and then held them up as examples for you guys to learn from. We're all only as strong as our best people. But the best part about this is that these best people 
are willing to give back. Ready to learn from the best? It starts with our free online workshop. Stop depending on your paycheck. Quit worrying about retirement. Register now at lifestylesunlimitedworkshop.com. Welcome back to the second half of the Lifestyles Unlimited Real Estate Investor Radio Show. My name is Al Gordon, and it's Tell Al Tuesday. And telling Al on Tuesday is John. Yeah, John's with me today. Now, John is a very successful real estate investor. If you didn't hear me read his bio at the beginning of the show, go to lifestylesunlimited.com, pick up the show off of our radio tab on our website. Every show that we do is reproduced into a podcast. It's available to you on our website, or you can get it wherever you get your podcasts at. We're, we're big, we're loud, we're proud, whatever, but we're out there. You should start listening to what we have to say. More so, you need to listen to what John has to say, because the question I'm about ready to ask him is a question that most people don't get. John has a very unique experience. He was the president of the Houston Apartment Association, and in his own words, the largest apartment association in the United States. So, John, here's the question I've got, but it's not really the real question that everybody wants to hear, which I'll get to. The first question is, did you go right to the presidency or did you have to take other jobs and work your way up? Oh, no, the, you know, the HAA, the Department Association, is a big organization with lots of ways to volunteer and serve and be on committees. And, and so um, I started you know, serving and, and uh, being on different volunteer opportunities and committees, I guess, back in 2014, 2015. And um, I you know, really appreciated how much I was learning and the people I was meeting there. So I leaned in and got more engaged and volunteered even uh, more time and kept getting a return from that, kept meeting some incredible people. And so it was about a seven, eight-year journey um, from start to finish of really getting plugged into the association and then moving up through the ranks to the president. Why, why should somebody join the apartment association? I mean, let's, let's say I'm a new investor. Maybe I've got a small multifamily apartment community. Maybe it's, I don't know, 20 units. Why, why, what would the apartment association do for me that I just can't do for myself? Yeah, so the Department Association does an incredible job of complementing the type of education that we get from a place like Lifestyles. Um, they provide insight into um, you know, the quickly changing laws and best practices for the ways we do things. A lot of apartment associations provide um, necessary paperwork to run the business. Like in, in Texas, I know where I'm at, um, when, when you become a member of the association, you get access to the lease that almost everybody uses and the, all the elected officials are familiar with. And it's you know, the vetted, tried and true apartment lease that you should be using. And so there's just a tremendous amount of support for the business. Um, and you get your, you feel you're part of a bigger group that advocates for the industry and um, you get access to the necessary documents and resources you needed to really run your business well. So there's, there's a lot of additional services available to an apartment owner through the apartment association that we just don't provide through Lifestyles Unlimited because it is available through a different mechanism. Yeah, and for an organization like mine, you know, I've got 45-ish employees, or team members as we call them, um, they need to be trained. They need to be given a vision of what they can become. They need to, you know, meet their peers. And um, Lifestyles is great, but it's not 
it's not tailored to you know the team members of, of the owner of the member companies. And so the Apartment Association, on the, other hand, on the other hand, at least in Houston, provides incredible training opportunities for staff that comes on. And so we have a whole regimen of classes and certifications that they can move through and really feel like they're learning, growing, and being invested in through our partnership with the Apartment Association. So you mentioned you, you've had the opportunity not only to get to know the movers and shakers in Lifestyles Unlimited, but the movers and shakers that are outside of Lifestyles Unlimited. What is the biggest difference between a Lifestyles Unlimited community and a non-Lifestyles Unlimited community? Well, you learn quickly, you know, like with, with independent owner and operators like we are at Lifestyles Unlimited, uh, we're a crucial and, and large piece of the apartment industry, um, but we're not all. In fact, we're probably a minority. There, you know, the large amount of apartments um, in this country, and especially in Texas, are owned and are owned by larger organizations and institutions, and then they hire third-party management companies to run the operations. And so, when you're running 10, 20, 50,000 units, you have to think and operate at a different level than when you're running 100 or 500 or 1,000, which is more kind of the, than the group we're in at Lifestyles Unlimited. And so, by getting access to the real movers and shakers in the industry as a whole, not just in our little independent owner-operator segment, um, it really opened my eyes to how... Um, organizations um, run at a much larger scale and the principles they use that I could implement at my business. So things like, um, you know, establishing objective scorecard metrics for the team members that they can be measured by and they know if they're doing a good job or not and they get rewarded for adding value and the importance of gaining consensus from the team and buy-in from the team before you just implement a new policy or a new software or a new way of doing things and demonstrating the ability that we have to impact others and showing people that they're known and cared for by their leaders. Those are all super important principles to building a successful organization, a successful management company. Um, but you can't do all that with a smaller um, with a smaller company where you're running 50 units or 100 units. And so uh, I learned a lot of those principles from those larger, more mature print, uh, organizations at the Apartment Association. Have you been noticing what's been going on with interest rates lately? I mean, to, to my point, Last week, the Fed raised the interest rates another three quarters of a percent. Does does this bother you as an apartment investor? Um, it doesn't bother me. It influences my behaviors and actions. So shifting here, yeah, everybody's noticed the interest rate moves um, and and very the quick and sudden interest rate moves, and trying to figure out how to best react and position themselves accordingly. Um, you know, it, it just, all, all it does is impact if I'm a buyer or seller, or when I'm a buyer, or when I'm a seller, and, and making smart moves in the market. So a rising interest rate environment is going to make it harder to get deals done, harder to buy properties, and honestly, harder to sell properties. You know, it's harder just to transact, slow the transactions down. Uh, but it could, it also creates some, some buying opportunities potentially, um, you know, coming into probably 2023 especially, we could see that as deals become harder to transact, there's always going to be some deals that um, are what we call motivated sellers, where they're not just trying to sell because they want to see they can get a good price. They need to sell for some reason. Their fund is coming to an end. They're struggling operationally. Something's happened at the property that's making it difficult to operate. And so when you're in a, in a market environment that is makes it difficult to transact properties, transact um, business, 
then those deals where you, where you have a motivated seller for one reason or another can become um, much more interesting opportunities from a buyer's perspective because there's, you're not flooded with competition on the buy side. And so, um, you know, maybe a year ago, two years ago, when interest rates were low, it was very easy to transact deals. That was a good time to potentially be a seller or at least, you know, look at refinancing your property. You could capitalize on some um, value gains that you've had simply by market market increasing the value of your property through those interest rates. Now it's probably not a great time to go try to refinance and so or or, or sell or buy. And so you we've got an opportunity now to build up a little bit of a war chest and get ready to take advantage of what could be some great buying opportunities in the coming you know, six to eighteen months. So the change in these interest rates, did it affect any of the seven properties that, that you own and operate? No, so I've got fixed interest rate loans on all my properties, and there's been times when I regretted that decision, and there's times like right now I'm very thankful for it. Because, you know, interest rates move up, but my mortgage bill stays the same. I've got fixed interest rate loans on all my communities, and uh, and we don't have any coming due for another two or three years at least. And so um, we're we're set. We're good to go. I'm I'm not um, I'm not very fearful of anything terrible happening. I don't think this will be in this high interest rate environment for years to come or anything like that. And so I'm I'm more um, focused on positioning ourselves to be able to take advantage of buying opportunities that I think may come about in the next six to eighteen months. We'll see. So John, I'm just going to hit you with the question. Are you ready? Come on. All right, let's do it. You said. There's going to be some buying opportunities, you believe, in the next 18 to 24 months. What what exactly does the market tell you is going to happen, and what are you dialed in to find? Well, we've got a variety of factors that I think are going to impact things You know, over the next or the, I don't really like to look at much past 12 or 18 months because anything could happen. So I'm going to say six, six to 12, maybe six to 18 months. But there's, a, there's certain things that are pushing values down and could create some buying opportunities. You know, for one thing, we talked about interest rates. It's just hard to finance deals right now. Your you know, interest rates are high, so you don't get a, a bunch of returns from over-leveraging. And so, in fact, a lot of deals that are getting done right now are only – 50, 60% leveraged, and so you have to bring a lot of cash into the deals. You also have some operational headwinds that we've been facing. You know, just we've been a little bit spoiled in the last, you know, I would say 12 months or so with, you know, very high traffic, um, very high rental increases, low low um, vacancies, um, and that's that's changing a little bit. Just in the last couple months, we're, you know, we've, there's a lot of conversations going around the industry about, like, man, I've really seen traffic drop off. Hey, my... I used to be able to keep my properties full without even trying, or, man, I've been getting these 10%, 20% rental increases, and now people are balking at that, what's going on. And so I think, you know, with with the um, consumer confidence kind of dropping a little bit, you've got people that are maybe not quite as willing to lease at certain properties or pay certain rents. And so you're facing a little bit of some operational headwinds that we're just not used to in recent history. And then lastly, you're dealing with um, inflation and just other expense increases. You know, insurance is going up dramatically along the Gulf Coast in Texas where I'm at. Property taxes are going up a lot. you got make-ready supplies and carpet and paint and appliances that are all becoming expensive and hard to find in some cases. So those are all things that are pushing values, I would say, having a negative impact on values or, or downward impact on values, the interest rates, the operational headwinds, and then expense increases. But then at the same time, 
you got some things that are going to keep the values from just dropping out. You know, there's still a tremendous amount of equity sitting on the sidelines waiting for some better buying opportunities. There's a lot of money that is in waiting for um, the deals, the prices for properties to come down to generate a little bit higher return than maybe the 5 or 6% we've been trying to hit the last um, few years. And so as soon as that um, those prices start to come down a little bit, that equity or that money that's been waiting on the sidelines is going to jump on that opportunity and create a floor for how low prices are going to drop because they don't have to drop too much and then they're going to see people want to jump in the market. And then lastly, you know, with all the turmoil in there, the stock market dropping, the um, a lot of a lot of. Uh, prospective investments um, falling out. People are, are running to safe haven type investments, and there's there's not a lot more safe than a um, cash flowing multifamily real estate investment. Um, people are always going to need a place to live, and so when you've got what's considered like a more of a, an affordable um, home for people, that that's always going to be in demand, and some people consider that a safe haven. So those two things: money sitting on the sidelines, and then the attractiveness and the perceived safety of these multifamily investments are going to create some, some a floor for just how far prices can drop. You know, if you've got properties that maybe were trading for $100,000 a unit um, recently, or we'll say $150,000 a unit in the last 12 months, well, as soon as those prices drop to one hundred or $130,000 a unit, you're going to have a lot of buyers all of a sudden interested. And so, you know, and I'm just not making up numbers. Please don't you know, quote me on those actual numbers. But, you know, in that scenario, it creates a floor for how low prices can can drop. We're not. I don't. I don't think we're going to see them go down. You know, like we did in the in the 2008 financial crisis or anything like that. There's the, we investors and banks have gotten smarter, and um, there there's going to be a floor for how far those prices can go down. Are you on the hunt for another property currently? I'm always on the hunt for another property, um, but there's definitely times when I'm more aggressively hunting and other times when I'm more passively hunting. And so, um, you know, given the the operational headwinds that we that the industry is experiencing, um, I am going to more aggressively start hunting kind of the, towards the beginning of 2023. You get past the holidays and it's a little bit easier to transact business sometimes. But also, the deals that were bought in 2022, where the buyers had assumed that they would be able to continue to raise rental rates at 10 or 12 percent, and that has, they assumed that maybe their insurance costs were going to continue to be the same that they were the last year, or they had assumed um, that uh, people were going to be willing to pay for certain amenities or certain upgrades. Well, maybe those assumptions don't play out. And um, they get in a situation where, hey, this, this property is not working out like we thought it would, and they get in a, a situation where they're a motivated seller, like I talked about before. Um, that could create some buying opportunities in, for, with the right market. So I'm, I'm more kind of um, positioning ourselves to be able to take advantage of those if that was to happen in 2023. And so trying to put some some operational systems in place right now to free up our capacity of our team to quickly and effectively be able to take down another another property or two if uh, the market proves out that way next year. We'll see. I don't, I don't have any crystal ball better than you do. Um, that's just kind of my, my spitball guess of where things are going to trend in a macro direction. Yeah, my crystal ball is always in the shop. I can't get that thing to work correctly. Um, <laughs> 
So here, here's something that's probably sitting on somebody's mind. If we were doing a call-in show, they'd probably pick up the phone and call in and ask this question. Are you interested in buying a property, even though the market is going down, or are you trying to time that purchase so that you hit the bottom and you ride it up? What's, what, what's go th- what goes through your mind with regards to that? Well, my previous experience has proven that I'm pretty bad at predicting when the market is going to hit the bottom or hit the top. You know, this, I was talking to a, a wealth advisor the other day. He said there's only one transaction that hits the bottom perfectly and one transaction that hits the top perfectly. Everything else is kind of an in-betweener. And so as, you know, what, what I'm going to focus on is as um, potential buying opportunities come across my desk, I'm just looking at, you know, can I, can I operate and hold this for two, three, five, ten years and not get in a situation where I need to sell and run different stress tests and be able to know, like, okay, we're going to get, uh, even if our occupancy drops to 85% or even if, um, you know, our expenses go up by 10%, are we going to be okay? Are we going to be able to deliver some kind of return to our investors and pay our mortgage? And as soon as I find just a deal that fits kind of my minimum criteria for returns to investors and um, that, that length of hold time period, then I'm going to let me get that one. And then maybe that's a little bit, if, if, if we're going to, if the market is going to say crash or just go down, um, maybe that's a, at the beginning of that process. Maybe it's in the middle of that process. Maybe it's at the end of that process. I don't know how long that that trend down is going to last. I'm not going to try to time it perfectly, but I, I'm going to buy properties that are that are not over leveraged. That are going to be good holds for a long period of time, and eventually the market will come back up, and I'll be in a um, situation where I can sell for a nice gain. Yeah, it's interesting. You mentioned hold times. What what do you like for a hold time? Do you, do you prefer to pencil out your deals so that they run a full ten years? Do you like seven years? Is is there a sweet spot for you, John? Somewhere in that five to ten year range. You know, I, t- I talked earlier. I don't like to try to make a lot of predictions past about a year or a year and a half because uh, a lot of as we've experienced recently, things can change very rapidly. And so um, I want to be able to hold for five to seven years. And historically, we've gotten to that point in our deals and decided to maybe refinance our loan, position ourselves for another five to 10 years after that, um, because the investors were in a position where they didn't want to sell at that time. Um, But so we we try to structure things where we look at somewhere between a five and a 10-year hold, um, and and then we'll be able to kind of reevaluate at that time and decide the best strategy going forward. How has all this real estate investing impacted your family? Uh, man, I've been very blessed with uh, incredible supportive family and, and and then a life where I get to spend a lot of time with them. And so um, I, I love working. I love what I do. I love running our organization. I love making an impact on people. And I also love the flexibility that it provides me to be able to spend time with my kids. I have three kids under the age of eight. And so um, being in a position where I can take them to school, have breakfast with them, I'm around for dinner, I get to go to most of their sporting events or school events and be really plugged into their lives, that is immensely rewarding and a huge focus of my life right now. I think it's safe to say that you have 100% control over your life. And if anybody is looking forward to doing this, that should be one of their goals. What do you think? Yeah, the, the flexibility and, like you said, the control of, um, you know, nobody's totally in control. Anything could happen, and you don't want to ever 
um, you know, country chickens for their hatched or anything like that. Um, but relative to a lot of other options out there, I have a lot of control over our over our future. Then you know, anything can happen, and I'm not God. But I try to do the best I can to impact my my kids and my family, and the best I can. And that just boils down to spending as much time as possible with them and taking advantage of every moment. Final thought, John. What would you say to somebody that's on the fence about doing exactly what we do? Uh, you know, there's there's a, there, a, a real estate should be in everybody's portfolio to some degree. Um, there's just so many benefits to it, and um, I'm so immensely grateful to the help that Lifestyles has been, um, both the mentors and the member, members and the life that it's given me, and um, God's just really put so many incredible people in my life, and I've lined up things where my wife and I lay in bed often, just amazed at how blessed we are. Indeed, you are blessed. John, I want to thank you for being on the show today. I know people have learned a lot from you. And if you want to get started, don't be afraid of the market. Just go to lifestylesunlimited.com, sign up for a free workshop. Let's get you going. The information and opinions you hear on the Lifestyles Unlimited Real Estate Investor Radio Show are those of the hosts, guests, and callers and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of this station, its affiliates, its management, or advertisers. The Lifestyles Unlimited Real Estate Investor Radio Show is for entertainment purposes only. Please consult a professional regarding your personal investment needs. Nothing presented on the Lifestyles Unlimited Real Estate Investor Radio Show constitutes an endorsement, recommendation, offer, or solicitation to buy or sell any product or security.